Welcome to In the Spotlight, a regular podcast from the Witham, Barnard Castle's Community Arts Centre. Stuart Laundy welcoming you along once again. Now, I've no doubt that uh, listeners of a certain vintage, such as myself, will recognise the music being played as the Pearl and Dean theme that used to accompany the, a visit to a cinema. Why are we playing this? Because we're off to the movies this week, that's why. Yes, special guest this week is County Durham filmmaker Dean Midas. He'll be telling us about his new film, The Devil's Stone. Filming starts for that in the next few days, and the Witham is going to play a central role in it. More on that coming up. Then, a bit later, Jane Woodward will be joining me as usual to talk about what's coming up at the Witham. And music this week will come from Rob Heron and the Teapad Orchestra ahead of their visit to the Witham on the 6th of July. It's a rescheduled show. They were snowed off back in March. So I hope you'll agree that's got all the makings of an interesting half an hour or so. Well, first to filmmaker Dean Midas. I caught up with him a couple of days ago to talk all things movie magic. So for this week's podcast, I'm delighted to be joined by filmmaker Dean Midas. Um, and you might wonder why uh, we're talking to Dean this week. Well, it's because uh, the, Witham, the Witham, as everybody knows, is a fine venue for showing films. But um, for Dean's latest masterpiece, the Witham is going to take, well, perhaps not centre stage, but we'll certainly have a walk on part. Would that be fair enough to say? It's it's going to be the big finale of the film, so um, it, oh, rather it's more gonna, than walk on part. Then. Yes, it's going to be it's going to be the main attraction. <laughs> so oh. it's going to be the headline act. <laughs> now we'll <clears throat> we'll come to that. Uh, Dean's new film, which um, production is, uh, I think, getting underway later on this month, is is called The Devil's Stone, and I think it's based around uh, a, a sort of fairly local um, folklore tale that, uh, that that from around Crookway. But we'll come to that in a little while. And I thought, because I thought uh, Dean, Dean's been making films, as far as I can tell, for about the past 10 years or so. And um, so I thought we'd just have a bit of chat about that. How did how did you get into all this? Uh, Stu, I'm a massive horror fan. Um, I have been all, all of my sort of grown up life before, you know, when I was allowed to watch them, obviously parents wouldn't let me, wouldn't let me watch horror films. So uh, when I was allowed to start watching them, I did. And um, oh, I've been interested in and and, you know, as I've grown up, I thought, oh, I won't mind making my own. Uh, do you go all the way back to the Bella Lugosi classics? Yeah, um, the, the original Halloween, even though I was only about six when it came out. Um, that was, like the seventh, was that the 70s Halloween originally? Y- yeah, late 78, um, the original came out. Um, so obviously I caught up with that as I got older. And then obviously the famous ones like A Nightmare on Elm Street um, yeah. and the Scream franchise. So uh, yeah, they're, they're, my, they're definitely big 
big inspirations for me. Yeah, I always remember my my first sort of first experience of any kind of horror story was actually through the book. Um, my, my mother, who was who was an English teacher at the time, she she brought a book that was unsuitable for the school library home, and it was the Amityville Horror, yes, um, which I read before the film came out. And of course, the, the 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 film spawned like the Halloween series. There was loads of sequels and and the Nightmare on Elm Street series, loads of sequels and everything. But the original was a really really good book. I know that I, I can't remember seeing the. I must have seen the film somewhere along the line, but um, the book was very, very good. So how, how did you start making it? You, you make short films, don't you? Basically, years ago, I um, used to go to Alton Towers a lot. I've got family down in Staffordshire. And the hex ride, as, as it was then, used to stand there and there used to be a story about the change, the, you know, the legend of the chained oak and, and, and the earl chained it up because a witch cursed him and all this. And as you do, I was standing in the queue thinking, this would make a great film. Um so we, we we obviously the the chained oak is actually real. So um, we went and got some footage around the tree, and uh, and then basically I did a short around it with uh, a few of my colleagues, and uh, it was a massive massive opening film for us. Um, you know we went on to win some big awards, including the Portobello Film Festival. So um, which was which was huge. I mean, were you surprised by the way it went down? Um, I knew we had a good film. Uh, there were some really good people involved. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, when you're when you're there and you've been shortlisted for the Portobello Film Festival on a five hundred pound budget, as it was for that film, uh, surrounded by people with a lot more <laughs> that have put a lot more money in, um, and you just think, oh, it's one of them. Oh, you're happy to be nominated. Y- you know, we didn't get to find out. We we found out as they as they read it out that we'd right. won that's when we found out so that was a moment i will never forget and um the shock was <laughs> well um it was unbelievable but yeah um but as i also said it then it sort of then put me on a one of them you know rocky balboa moments because it's like me the first films done really really well so it's a lot to live up to so how how many films have you made so far so um, I've made eight. Um, seven of them are the Ragdolly and Eve Valentine franchise, which has done very, very well for us. Um, and Legend of the Chained Oak was our first film. So this will be, the Devil's Stone will be going into our ninth film. So just tell me about this franchise, um, the, this series of films that you've made. So yeah, I've got two characters, the Ragdolly, uh, Eve Valentine, two very strong female characters. I wanted to do that. The The horror world normally is very male dominated um yeah. and i thought that you know it'd be quite unique to have two strong um uh sort of characters um it's the polite way of saying it um and we set out and again the first film i did i went back to my roots i did a self-record um sort of pov which is point of view film where it looked like a documentary right um and you know it went down very very well and um i always had this other character in mind this e valentine day of the dead character um and initially i was going to make eve um a christmas killer but the truth be told we can just completely ran out of time to film it so i thought and then someone actually said to me there's not many killers around valentine's day because it's such a romantic time <laughs> and i thought well what about valentine's eve uh the, the, the night before valentine's and that's where eve has come from so eve valentine who's based at the the Manor House Hotel, which we call West Manor in the films. Yeah. Um, that's where Eve Valentine is based. Do you set out to, to shock people, to scare people, or is it is it much more kind of tongue-in-cheek? What, how would you describe the, the, the style of the films that you make? 
it's a little bit of both um like i say i'm from the i'm a big fan of the screen franchise which you know they will admit themselves even though it can be quite gory at times it's also fun you know there is a lot of tongue-in-cheek things you know there will be right back and all these kind of things which are the cliches in horror films which until that film came out people really never questioned them it's like why are you going down in the dark cellar when you know there's someone crazy around (laughs) um and and just the usual things you know whenever you need to make a phone call you know in these films they can never get a phone signal so you just think so there is an element of that and i do make some tongue-in-cheek little lines there are some funny lines in all hallows eve rebirth actually that people comment on but um yeah i try not to make it too full on because if i was watching it if it was too intense i think it goes the other way and people just think oh i'm not watching it but if you make it scary but fun i think then you you sort of can win people over with that and why have you stuck to um shorts rather than uh, feature length films if if i can put it that way most of the people in our films the Ragdolly and E Valentine franchise who have survived because <laughs> um, obviously we've I've lost a lot of friends along the way in the films. Um, um, it's basically these guys all work full time. So and and as I said, you know, Jason, who's one of our main characters, you know, he's a mechanic and crook and he does 10 hour shifts and then comes and helps us till nine ten o'clock at night. He's got, you know, wife and two kids. It's difficult and it's, it's a very time consuming and even these short films, some of these short films can take three to four months to pull together. Yeah. Ideally, yeah, I would in the future like to make a, a feature. But um, I think while we're while we're still getting the brand and the name out there, I, still, I think the shorts, um, you know, are, do, are doing their job. So do you take on all the sort of um, behind the camera uh, responsibilities, the writing, the filming, the editing, all that? Do you, or do you have people you, who you collaborate with? How does, how do you work? How does, how does the production work? <laughs> I pretty much do everything. Um, I do write the scripts um, and then I produce them, direct them. I do um, have obviously people that Sam Haynes, who is a fantastic music writer, producer, who who does a lot of our music for us in the films. He's absolutely amazing without him. I, I you know, I'm honest enough to say I don't think the films would, would look and sound as good as they do without him. Um, and, and, and then obviously I, I do chat with you know we do have meetings and we do chat and some people you know i'm open to for people to say do you think this might work better if we did this or you know sometimes we can have a script and rehearse it and then be there and i can actually say i don't think this is going to work and someone will say should we try this and, and we will and it, and it looks fantastic so you know i'm always open for for direction and and help um from the cast especially these guys some of these guys in the rag dolly franchise and evan have been in seven films now so they've been with me for four years so they're you know they're getting more experience themselves and do you, do you have any formal um training in in, in filmmaking completely self-taught um i've obviously got a lot of production skills just from stuff i you know I used to do bits and bobs when i was um promoting acts on the x factor and stuff like that so you do pick up a lot of stuff along the way but no um i'm pretty so i am self-taught there's no um you know, I'm honest with people. There's no formal qualification there. I didn't go to to media school or or anything like that. I've pretty much learned to do everything myself. Um, and I can see that now in some of my earlier films. There's things even now, four years ago, I think that wouldn't look like that now if I, if if with my experience and knowledge getting better. Yeah, I just think that would look better, or it would be a bit more polished than it than it looks there. So, so it, I suppose it's like any any industry as you, as you get your experience and you pick up what works and what doesn't work. You you know you get 
you, you sort of learn to better yourself. Hi, this is Lewis from the Cafe Bar, and you're listening to In the Spotlight, the Witham podcast. Let's turn to your forthcoming film, The Devil's Stone. Um, give us a quick praise of, of what this one's about, without giving too much away, obviously. Yeah, so The Devil's Stone is actually in crook. Three pieces of stone um, thought to be over 10,000 years old. It came. It came to. It was in the Lake District originally, uh, and then was moved by a glacier. It didn't used to be in the centre of Crook. It used to be up in something called Duffold Hill at the top, um, but it was moved down in the sixties down to to where it is now, outside the Civic Theatre in Crook. Um, sorry, the County Council Crook, and yeah. um, it's there now. So, uh, and and I don't think half the people that even live in the town realise <laughs> what it is. <laughs> um, it has got the Devil's Stone on it, and it, it you know it says where it's from and, and stuff. But yeah, I think this is. This is our way of saying, look, you've got this really great thing in the middle of in the middle of your town. Go and at least just go and have a look at it. And the story goes that if if you run round it a few times, the devil's supposed to appear. Is that is that the is that the story behind it? Yeah, seven times. And and I have actually had someone contact me after, and we had a feature in the Northern Echo a few weeks ago. And um, someone who I didn't even know them just said, "Oh, I've just seen your piece in the Northern Echo," and and they said, "I can tell you." My mum and dad used to scare me with that story when I was a kid. <laughs> they used to say, if you don't get yourself to bed, <laughs> we'll make you run around the devil's stone seven times, which is a little bit um, a little bit naughty. But yeah, so I, I know a lot of youngsters, you know, were more aware of it because I think it used to be a, a threatening story from uh, from the parents. Does that form part of the film, the, 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 the folklore part of it? Yes, that is. I mean, I wanted to, obviously, it will spin off um away from it a little bit but the actual the the main story and the main reason that this is happening is because of the devil stone and the seven times so um i wanted to keep that massively you know loyal to the stone and that is that is going to feature in the film so how do you end up at the witham then i'm intrigued so um i was looking for various buildings that had quite a size and a few real a few rooms um that we could spin off um, and even a, like an outside space. And they've got everything that we need. They've even got that fantastic balcony that looks down onto um, yeah. the calf part, um, which is definitely, without giving anything away, going to be used um, <laughs> in the film. Um, so, and I just thought they've got, a, you know, an outside space and there's just so much room for us to to be able to do what we need to do, um, but also have a space where if there is someone in there hiding or or not wanting to be seen there's enough there's enough space for them to to stay out of the way and uh, will you be looking for a few extras if we happen to be hanging around that day yes um i'm i'm more than happy to get um i mean i'd love um i'd love some some press because obviously the the story is this isn't giving anything away but the story is um some students are going to go and spend the time there there is going to be a backstory to, with with the with them which i you know have cleared with them so it's all above board um and uh my character sayer hicks um which is the new character um he will his family will would have had a connection to the witham whilst all this the devil stone stuff was going on ah excellent stuff it sounds intriguing i can't wait to see what it turns out like and you've picked a, a suitably horrific date for it to be uh, premiered on is that right Friday the 13th of October of whatever else <laughs> you know what it was going to be a couple of weeks later and then I looked at the calendar and I said to my wife there's a Friday the 13th in October <laughs> the Halloween month has a Friday the 13th that is 
it's an absolute perfect time for a hello for a horror film to come out dean thanks ever so much for taking the time to chat to the podcast this week we wish you every success and i can't wait to see you filming in and around the with them and we'll perhaps try and get a, a, a face or two from that people might recognize uh, on the camera as well dean thanks very much Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. And with a bit of luck, we'll be rolling out the red carpet for the premiere of the film in October. That'll be something to look forward to. I'm sure you'll agree. Hi, this is Tabby from The Cafe, and you're listening to In The Spotlight, The Withams Podcast. So once again, I'm joined by Marketing Officer Jane Woodward for a look through uh, what's coming up and what we've got going on at The Witham in the next uh, seven days and a bit further away. And we've got a special guest in the studio this week, your son. Not, not to put any pressure on you or anything like that. How are you doing, Lewis? I'm fine, I just exist. Yeah. Uh, excellent stuff. He's come, to, <laughs> Lewis, who is all of what, 16? Yeah, 16. 16, now. he's come to see how we do podcast magic. Exactly. Very exciting, isn't it, Lewis? Uh, yeah, I have no idea that I would be here. <laughs> <laughs> he's loving it. He's loving it. <laughs> so we'd better get on and show him how it's done. Uh, we'll start with um, two or three things that are now in the diary, starting with one later this year. And it's a bit of a radio legend, actually. He's a bit, a bit of a legend. Uh, a bit, I'm a bit of a fan of his, actually. Bob Harris and Colin Hall, the songs the Beatles gave away. What's that all about? So, yes, this is uh, their intimate speaking tour. Um, which is coming to the Witham on Tuesday, the 3rd of October this year. And it features rare archives from BBC's Bob Harris's collection of interviews with Lennon and McCartney. And Colin Hall, for the last 20 years, has been the custodian at John Lennon's childhood home, Mendips. So apparently Lennon and McCartney wrote so many songs, they offered them to other artists for recording not the Beatles, and this is what Bob Harris and Colin Hall are going to be talking about, and there's going to be archive footage alongside it. Sounds like an absolutely fascinating evening indeed. Um, moving swiftly on, uh, the Royal Opera House has some news for us. Yes, they have just launched their 23-24 cinema season, so this is the live screenings between October this year and June next year. Uh, the Witham is going to be screening... Five operas, including Carmen and Madame Butterfly, and three ballets, including Swan Lake. And everything is on sale now. Excellent. So a bit too highbrow for me, as we very well know, but um, <laughs> that will delight our audience. And finally, something for next year, and uh, some, some folk legends are coming, aren't they? The Furies. The Furies, yes. Ireland's acclaimed and influential folk band. They made their Top of the Pops debut in 1981. Oh, really? As recent as that? I thought they went back longer than that. No. Um, the big, I know their big hit was um, Sweet 16, when you were Sweet 16. I think that was what it was. Yeah, yeah. So look out for that one. That's Friday the 12th of April next year, and that is on sale too. Right, so that's looking a bit further ahead. What have we got coming up in the next few days? Well, next weekend, Saturday the 1st of July, we have a tribute to the Carpenters. Brilliant. Um, this is the UK's leading carpenter show. It's yesterday once more. Doesn't feature you, Stuart. Oh, blast. <laughs> it features the amazing voice of Maggie Nestor and eight top-class musicians. Excellent. Not me, then. Not you. All right. But if you fancy a bit of the Carpenters, that's next Saturday, the 1st of July at brilliant 7.30. Well, I'm on that night anyway, so it'll be a brilliant night. I'll absolutely love that one. And then also on the 1st of July, we've got Northern Arts and Crafts in the Music Hall with their locally handmade crafts and luxury gifts, 9.30 to 3.30. That's free entry. And we've also got the second weekend of our summer festival. Who have we got on this time? We have at 11 o'clock on Saturday, 1st of July, we've got Andy Yeadon, who needs no introduction. 
No, he's a he's a former podcast star, isn't he? He we've is had, indeed. We've yeah. had him on. Um, this uh, he wasn't talking about his music though. He was talking about his um, tai chi. Tai chi, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah he so, was. but uh, anyway, everybody knows him as a musician, so that'll be good. And then on the afternoon at two o'clock, we've got two local blokes. Ah, uh, yes. AKA James Dykes and Eddie Tinkler. Yep, they've played uh, just about every group around the town, I think. Um, yep. Whether it's WIs or the Hobo, or any, they're, they're, they're brilliant. They're, re- they're really good entertainers, those two. Yeah, very well known. And obviously, harmonic singing duo, duo with acoustic guitar. So that'll be, that'll be a good afternoon. Yeah. Maybe I can garden. have a sing-along with them. Exactly. They play songs that I know the words of. Yeah, you can have a sing-along with them, Stuart. Yes. That'll do. Not yes. the Carpenters, though. No, not the Carpenters. All right, then. And then on Sunday uh, afternoon, one o'clock... There's the Cloth Cap Temperance Band. They play in the style of 1914 Miners. So that's a bit different. Mm, Interesting. Something a bit different for a Sunday afternoon. Exactly. It sounds like they're the sort of band a little bit like somebody else we've got coming uh, the following week. Rob Heron and the Teapad Orchestra. um, A unique sound. You can't sort of pigeonhole them into any one particular genre. Um, they're, They're coming on the Thursday, I think, the 6th. Thursday, the 6th of July, yeah, Rob Heron and the Teapad Orchestra, uh, they're finally performing after being snowed off in March. That's right. I was trying to remember the other day why we didn't have them earlier on in this year, and it was the, it was the one and only dumping of snow we got, wasn't it? It was, it was. They're from Newcastle, uh, they've got their own swing sound, and there will be space for dancing. Their last album, this is where I know them from, their last album, The Party's Over, is absolutely brilliant. Yeah. I commend it to anybody. Have a listen to it and then you'll buy your tickets and you'll come along and you'll uh, you'll stretch your, stretch your leg on a dance floor. Yeah, well, there's definitely a track that's on our website if you want to have a listen to them. Excellent, excellent. And where can we get tickets? We can get tickets, Stuart, by calling the box office on 018336311107. And for those of us who've got a computer at home? dot thewitham.org.uk brilliant well practiced you've spent all week perfecting <laughs> i did <it>. i did <laughs> after last time tripping up over the telephone number i'm glad to see you've been put, you've been putting the hours in you're not going to let me forget that are you it's paid off <laughs> brilliant stuff jane thanks very much and we'll see you next time bye Stuart. Yes, thanks as always to Jane for passing by. Um, that's about it for this week's show. We're going to leave you with some music from the aforementioned Rob Heron and the Teapad Orchestra. Don't forget they're coming to the Witham on Thursday, July the 6th. You can get your tickets now. This is a track from their new album, The Party's Over. It's called Trouble Is. I'll say cheerio and see you next time. ta da <laughs> Finally found somebody new No more lonely hours in darkness The skies are so suddenly blue For so long I struggled to forget you For so long I stayed in my room I'm patching up the pieces of my heart, babe And sometimes I even smile too Trouble is, I can't sleep at night Trouble is, I cry all the time Trouble is, I never learned to face 
Listening to In the Spotlight from The Witham, Barnard Castle's Community Arts Centre. Available on all major podcast platforms. So please give us a follow and leave a comment or listen online at www.thewitham.org.uk. We'll be back soon with another episode.